0: yo what's happening people i want to welcome you to flip the script podcast show my name is so and i am the host so on this show you'll get the opportunity to listen to some inspiring people talking about real honest heartfelt no holds barred transformation stories we get to hear from ex-drug users reformed criminals all sharing their personal stories and how they manage not only to turn their lives around but now are helping others to do the same We also get to hear from courageous men and women sharing their experience of surviving high-level trauma and what they are doing or done to start that much-needed healing process.
1: An absent father and daddy issues are real. When I say I went off the rails, I went off the rails. I couldn't deal with my emotions, but I, I didn't want to use them. And, and someone had given me some drugs and I just didn't want to use them. I just got on my knees and started praying so desperately. like
0: Right. Okay, so welcome to Flip the Skip podcast show. Um, as everybody knows, my name is Sol, I am the host. And this podcast show is about people coming along and sharing their transformation stories. So today I've got Natalie, who is a mum or two from Bournemouth. Hi Nat, you alright? Hey hey, so yeah, thanks yeah, for having yeah. me. So Natalie, you're currently a life coach and a program officer, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Cool. Absolutely. And I suppose that wasn't obviously that wasn't what you was doing before previously. Um, <laughs> and this is why you're on yeah. here to kind of talk to us about you're your out. transformation and and what you're doing and and how that went. So just tell me a little bit about yourself, Natalie. Where you come from? What you you know how you got here?
1: Yeah. Well, it's a hell of a long story, and I think if I told all of it, so I'll try and do it in some little bits of snapshots because like we'd be here all day. Okay. <laughs> oh. We'd be here all day, but yeah, the the way that my life looks now is is to say transformation is an understatement for me. And that, like the name of your podcast, flip the script. That's That's something that I use in my own language quite a lot. So when you said that was the name, I was like, oh, it it resonates with me because I feel that that is completely what I've done. I had quite chaotic um, early years, like not right in the beginning, but an absent father and daddy issues are real. (laughs) So that that was a core wound that started. And then there was some sexual abuse when I was younger as well. Um, so then when I started coming into my teenage years and, um, or, or I'd say around 11, 12 processing that stuff, um, and there was a lot going on within the family home in terms of my mum's um, new relationship. and my dad had met someone else and, and stuff like that. and my sister had some mental health struggles and it was just there was a, just a lot going on and I didn't know how to internally. Process that stuff, and we weren't a. Well, I don't even think it was that normal to talk about what was going on for you back then. And my mum, you know, she she'd gone through a lot in her younger years. Her mum had drowned when she was fourteen, and her dad had kind of gone off with someone else, so she was left in in a bedsit in the middle of Kilburn at, at the age of sixteen. So she had picked my dad, who was an alcoholic um, addict, and and then she picked a kind of more functioning individual but there was still a lot of problems so she had her own processes going on and just didn't know how to navigate everything so i bottled up um and internalized a lot and felt very angry and a lot of that anger went inward so i started self-harming from a young age and then um over the next few years it that Kind of spiralled I became quite I was very attached this is where my core daddy issues came out I, I became very attached to getting attention and believing that that attention meant that I was okay that I was enough um okay. if I got told that I was pretty or I managed to captivate a, a boy's attention I felt like that gave me worth um, so I I think when we come from that place of need uh, and there's a real lack in there, uh, we tend to have such a vacuum that we'll suck in the people that are probably the worst people for us, right? Because of, you know, like attracts like. At the age of 14 and a half, I ran away from home um, with a complete undesirable who, who was quite a bit older than me they they um, were 22 I think and they they were from a bail hostel so that 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 was where my standards were from day dot (laughs) it was like um, yeah I just no value or self-worth I guess and so I ran away um, with him and I I don't even remember where I went or how I got there um, but I was Basically, the victim of a rape from that. And um, when I got picked up by police about four days later, um, I refused to go back home. I, I think I was just so deep. I had a deep rage and I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. I didn't want anyone telling me what to do. And my stepmom, and she was still with my dad at the time. Like, my dad was still not there, not present, you know, smoked lots of cannabis and, and drunk so but she gave me freedom and my mum tried to my mum coming from a fear-based place she tried to control more because I was becoming out of control right so because that's what we do when we lose control oh. and we feel fear quite often we tend to become a little bit more controlling so I I refused to go home um and I went and stayed with my stepmom. but I was just given complete freedom and um at the time that was exactly what I wanted uh in hindsight is probably probably not what I needed but I don't I don't it's not that there's anyone did it right or wrong it was just um two different parenting styles that were very conflicting um, and I I ended up pregnant from that that um incident and had a determination and it was really strange because it was never like there were no services that picked up picked up that I'm having a termination at 14 years old. That like it was just not talked about. And I think I I internalized it deeper and the self-hate and the self-loathing became deeper and the wanting to escape. And and there also was a part of I was a bit of a thrill seeker, right? Um and I think that quite often um when we've suffered experiences that impact on our whole, what I understand and now know about trauma, it impacts on our whole system. So our production of serotonin and releases of dopamine aren't that strong. Mm. So then we, you become a bit of a thrill seeker because the, the, the more of the thrill, the more yeah. of the release of dopamine, right? We
0: seek outside of ourselves, don't we? Absolutely. To kind of top up as they say. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, but I, it was really strange because I was also raised with quite a lot of morals, right? I, I was raised in Catholic church when I was younger and I had that moral foundation. Yeah, it was like almost when I shut any faith in anything out, when I shut um, connection to family out, when I, I, I shut down, it was like I completely turned off my moral compass as well completely at the same time so um, I went when I say I went off the rails I went off the rails and between the spaces of 14 and a half to the age of 21 I had been to five rehabs I'd been to prison five times I'd been to psychiatric hospital after being sectioned trying to kill myself I have got fourteen pages of convictions because wow. I was just a prolific offender. The drugs took hold deeply, it like it was it it escalated so quickly, it was unreal. Yeah.
0: So, is, so when you used to talk about, you know, you've been in prison, you went to rehabs and you've got all of this stuff on you know, this is who this fourteen of and twenty one. Like if you look at it now, you would think like, wait a minute, there's something going on for this young girl man. Like did yeah. you not, Did was there anybody saying to you, "Well, what's going on
1: for you now? What is what well, is?" Oh yeah, obviously because I, I I did go to treatment. I, like um, my mum, you know, kept she kept from a distance, trying her hardest. By the time I was fifteen, I'd left my stepmom and dad's as well. Okay, um, they separated very soon afterwards, but I'd left, so there was no like I just pushed everything away and I went deep. At, my sister and I. Um, spent a lot of time together at that time and kind of were quite chaotic together. But I just got immersed in, like, abusive, toxic relationships. Like, I, um, my first, what I'd call what I thought was a real relationship, (laughs) what what I thought was a real relationship, but that was very... Well, God knows what I thought, but it was full of domestic violence. It was full of real dark abusiveness really and chaos and it just spiraled from there and I did have one relationship that was slight slight it wasn't normal at the beginning but when I was 17 and a bit um it it settled in he kind of was a bit chaotic and then turned himself around and tried to get me to but I just I just wasn't ready like five treatment centers people trying to speak into my life but I I wasn't ready to go there with myself like um my mum always kept because i'd end up like running off from the treatment centers or whatever and my mum would always get given my belongings and paperwork and whatever and I've, I've still i've got some paperwork and even the levels of dishonesty that i had with myself like i remember talking I I wrote a story um, to obviously share in in group about the level of abuse that I'd experienced. And I I didn't go deep into the abuse, but I went deeper into, or I exaggerated the truth of how I felt at that moment in time, because it sent me back and I could remember it so clearly. And I didn't feel emotionally connected to that abuse. What I used it is as an excuse to get angry, to f- like throw stuff about the room, so I could have an excuse to leave. Right? That was the levels of dishonesty mm. that I had with myself because I just wasn't ready to go there. So, do you,
0: do you think that was like some kind of like? I mean, I know our bodies can and our uh, we can kind of we put in this protect we protect ourselves sometimes. Sometimes you wasn't ready to go there. It's so,
1: self-preservation, one hundred percent. It's it's that, like, oh my gosh, this stuff is going to be. You're not ready to go I in there. I yeah. am not. My yeah. my
0: brain cannot compute. So with your this. body boxes it off, comparts to not. Yeah, compartmentalizes. Compart- yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah leaves yeah. it there to write. That's there. It yeah. leaks out, obviously, in your life, but it's kind of it's you've not gone actually gone.
1: Yeah, and, um, and I and it. I think, and I was addicted to the chaos, and I was, and what I did for me is that I it was always about an internal feeling like the, the drugs were just an external mm. response to the internal so as soon as I put the drugs down what I would do is pick up so every single treatment center without fail that I went into I engaged in a dynamic and kind of relationship with a, a, a male every single time without fail um and It was always, I was just constantly looking it to self-soothe because I didn't know how to do it myself. I didn't know how to...
0: Do you think there could have been anyone or any person that could have got through to you at that time when you look back at it now?
1: I don't. I think had the interventions come earlier, which is why I work with teenagers, right, And, Mm. and, and I have for about eight and a half, nine years... And why I'm so passionate about working with them is because I think if you get the intervention earlier on, now had someone given me the emotional to support to say you're pregnant at 14, like how did this happen? What and I was able to go, oh, you know, this is what happened, and and then they asked me more stuff about it. then maybe I would have got the help and support, but I just think at that point in time. those services weren't available right but on the other hand I do think people tried I do think people tried to and I I don't think I was emotionally mature enough by the time by the time it had gone past that pregnancy Mm -hmm. the amount of um chaos and trauma that I experienced and put myself through it wasn't just at the hands of other people like I I put myself through a lot of trauma and exposed myself to a lot of um, darkness, right? So, yeah, I don't think at that point that I was ready.
0: So do you think when you, so from that age of 40 to 21, it wasn't so much about you trying to support your healing around what would happen. It's more about harm reduction for you, I think. Well, people, it's like trying to keep you safe in, in, you know, let's try not to add any more trauma, but obviously that didn't... It, you did kind of add more trauma, inevitably. Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. I think... um I think every time that I went to... It's the seeds being planted, isn't it? Every time I went to 100%. rehab, every time yeah. I went, even in prison, and, and got a little bit of mental clarity because I, I found some poems that I wrote when I was in there when I was 18... And, I, like, it was real deep stuff. I uh, There were pictures that I drew of me curled up in a ball wrapped in barbed wire and blood pouring off me and then all of these words coming out of it. And I was trying to express... express. Yeah, exactly absolutely. And yeah. and I was trying to connect to something because one of the prayers was about um, like, trying to cry out to something spiritual, something to come and rescue me and save me, right? <laughs> um, so yeah those seeds were there but, and, and I think that's the key thing isn't it is, is like the more seeds that are planted the more likely and the more those seeds are watered the more likely they're to take root yeah. and to grow right um, but I also think that um, deep inside of me there was always this And and I think that we all have it, we just don't, I don't know, maybe quiet in ourselves, but when I I did have those moments of out of the chaos, there was a quieter, stiller voice inside that went, like, this isn't supposed to be your life. (laughs) Like, there is something more that you're supposed to be. Like, there's something not right here. (laughs)
0: You spoke about it earlier on, you know, when you were talking about, like, I, you said that when you kind of shut off the whole, the moral compass, the whole, you know, born a Catholic. You, but I think what happened, I don't know, because I, 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 I was, you know, I come, I come from a parents. my parents were religious and blah, blah, blah. So I, I kind of identify. but then what used to happen is to make it worse, because I knew I came from a place where I knew that what I'm doing is wrong. Yeah. So I'd be fighting, so I'd have another voice saying to me, look, you know, you know, you're doing, you know, you're like you just said, you know, you're better than this. Yeah. But then you like you, but you're still doing stuff that you can't understand, but you know, you're better than this, but and then it just gets worse. And or then you're trying is, to yeah. use drugs and whatever to try to and block it out, block quite, it out even more. Yeah. But then the voice is still there. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's just, it, it's like torture, it's like internal torture. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. As it got like, especially into the later stages, right? It like, it was pure internal torture because. Like, I violated every moral compass that I probably had, had instilled in me in some form or another. And I had every sort of violation done towards me that the human spirit can take, right? And, um, yeah, it, it is... The, the darker it gets, the more you want to escape it. And mm. it's really hard to feel or to believe that you can climb that mountain because it seems or you create in your mind like it's such an Everest. And, and, and as human beings, right, we want to go to the quickest route. We want to go to the, like, feel the pain. Yeah. guy yeah. go as quickly as possible because um, we don't like discomfort, right? No. We, don't, we don't like to feel pain. So I think that, um, yeah, it, I would always go to that quickest route, but it never works, right? it never works and 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 i knew that, that that is that the more dark it got the more pain i felt the more i tried to cover it the less it worked and you just get caught in this loop and this cycle um that is really it's painful it's painful and it's 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 traumatic and i think that that's where my turning point was the last time i went into prison i um I was in there for seven and a half months and that was the longest that I'd ever been in. So it was, it was almost long enough to get me back. That was the longest that I'd not used any substances. Um, And I got my character back and I got, um, I I made an amazing friend in there and she was just like me and we laughed we barely laughed like till we were nearly wetting ourselves you know we had the most amazing time I discovered music again and I discovered dancing which I always loved to do I sort of started to become alive but I was torn between this okay I've come back to who I know I can be but how the hell do I live life out there like in here it's okay, it's safe, but out there, when I came out, I came out to no housing, I came out to no friendships, I was in a, in a prison in Derby at the time, and I'd um, been in a relationship before I got into it, if, if that's what you could call it, I'm not sure, sure I would call it a relationship, but um, yeah, I was in chaos with someone, and they obviously through through me being in there had stayed in contact and that was the only connection I had to the outside world turn, ter- apart from my, my family was over there and they came to visit me but it wasn't ever an option for me to go back there and I didn't ever want to make it an option and I think they were too fearful to make that an option because of how chaotic my life had been right so I ended up in um right in the middle of Derby right in the kind of Toxic fit, where all the drugs, the fire, the drugs den, as they
0: call
1: it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and um, and I, I've been trying to pray and trying to pray and trying to pray, um, because I was so desperate not to go back to it. Within, I think, three days of being back out, I ended up going and using, and it was the most chaotic and horrendous night and it was like I'd gone from feeling some light in my life of sorts to like right to the pits of hell within like, five hours uh, it like, it traumatized me how quickly that you could go back there that had that the instantness that it took and I think after that something shifted in me and um, I had one night where I was, like, desperately up. I couldn't deal with my emotions, but I I didn't want to use them. And, and someone had given me some drugs, and I just didn't want to use them. And I put them in, somewhere in, in the flat, well, bed-sit. And I just got on my knees and started praying so desperately, like, like a nutter. And I was too scared to get off my knees because... Um, I thought if I get off my knees, I'm gonna kill myself because I literally, I can't live in that darkness anymore. I can't do it. I, I would rather die. Um, and then I had de- definitely some sort of spiritual experience that shifted oh. something in me. And I, I started crying tears of joy, like absolute joy. <clears throat> and it was almost like I knew in that moment, something had changed and um, um, the, the script had been flipped. <clears throat> something had shifted and then it's kind of coming to today i so i left derby i turned up in bournemouth with a few bin bags oh and i just found out i was pregnant so okay. um i fell pregnant with basically the day i came out of prison and um i knew i had to leave the person because of their chaos um and I was terrified. I was terrified, and I definitely didn't believe that I had the capacity to be a mum. But um, the I had I had planned to not go through with the pregnancy, and, and I hate to say that because my son, I I, I love him, and I would never want him to feel that he was never wanted. It mm-hmm. wasn't about not wanted. I just was so scared that I wasn't going to able to be the mum that he would need, mm-hmm. or that he. Would have deserved, right? Um, but my uh, room in the YMCA down here came up on the same day as the um, plans. Um, yeah, so I had to make a decision and it was either choose life or mm. another form of death, which would, have, you know, and, and we always joke that he's been my saving grace. Well, he likes to believe that he's been my saving grace. Mm. <laughs> But yeah, since then it's it's been like one hell of a journey, and and I'd love to say sit here and go oh, yeah, and then I got you know found the man of my dreams, and I got the white picket fence,
0: and <laughs> well, it's never, it's not like that, is it? I mean, oh, we know wow. we, we've got to live the real, you know. Cause yeah, it's a the whole thing, you know, the yeah. transformation story doesn't happen overnight. It's like. Not at all,
1: and I think it's when you yeah, yeah, when you've experienced huge levels of trauma, I. Huge loads. And I think yeah. that in my earlier days, I think I believed naively, and maybe that's what kept me going for a while, that, that I believed that, okay, I just do a little bit of work on myself and then I'll be like a normal person, and, and I'll be right. Shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'll be completely fine, yeah. and then I'll meet the man of my dreams, and I think that kept me going for yeah. a few years. And, and actually, I've still had shocks to the system, even you know, when I look at my last relationship, when I first chose that relationship, and this isn't about slating anyone, it's just about where I was at and where that person was at, it, it became a very unhealthy, toxic relationship because I picked someone who hadn't done enough work on themselves because of where my low self-esteem was about right. who I believed would accept and love me. Um, and I also, I think until you do the real deep inner work and understand what you're attracted to and why you're attracted to that, I believed that people didn't stick around, right? That was a deep core belief system that I held. Um, that I only discovered after getting into that relationship and because I believed that that's what I attracted someone who did not have the capacity to stick around because I believed that I wasn't lovable and people would leave me what? what I picked is someone who behaved in ways that went oh yes yeah, see
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is I think like I like they you know it's it's not a nice saying but I've heard it like like we've got sometimes we have to go through a few crazies to get to the willy yeah, if you know what I mean, <laughs> you know. And I've been the crazy. I've been yeah. in relationships where I've been the crazy. You know, I, yeah. well, I openly admit that. You know, yeah. you know, when you're, you know, once you, like you said, you talked about the trauma. You know, once you've got a lot of deep trauma, complex trauma that's been, you know, that you've we've picked up as we're growing. Yeah, healing from that. That's like we don't. It's not a shortcut, man. And you know, if we don't do the work on us, what happens? We end up getting sick again, and we end up acting well, out. Just, is that I'm the whole reason we did what we did? like using out outwardly stuff drugs sex yeah. whatever he was doing criminal that you know yeah. was to try and cover what was what we, so if we take away all of that stuff when we're trying to behave like it's gonna Normal. come up again if <laughs> we don't it. treat that stuff it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna you know it's going of gonna, course it's gonna and i think out. that also um things will
1: keep coming back into our lives right until we, until
0: we until we wake right, up yeah <laughs> right. until we've learned the lesson right say, until yeah.
1: we've learned the lesson until <laughs> it's
0: painful enough to say right okay now nah, this is too painful now nah, i need to change <laughs> right but you and spoke it, about you know going back a little bit i just kind of I, I wanted to touch on that bit about the surrender when you was on your knees and, and you know you spoke about you, you prayed and you, and you know and and i think even coming down moving forward Things certain things like we've got to have, we've got these little windows of opportunity to happen. We've got yeah. to be open enough, just absolutely. enough to say, Right, yeah. well, okay, look, this you know, and the message gets in, you absolutely. know. And I think for you, it might, you know, with your relationship with the life, should be obviously there must have been a, a window of opportunity where something came in into your spirit and said to you, Look, you're better than this, yeah, you know,
1: yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I do think. I do think that 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 is a key thing is some something that I have had to cultivate in me, but I've probably always had a bit is is like seeking. I always wanted to understand. I mean, when I was eleven, I wanted to work in. Have you ever heard of Broadmoor? It's like the yeah, the, the yeah, the, the stain
0: Hospital, right, yeah, the, right? The severe, okay. like, the severe criminal,
1: like serial yeah. 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 <laughs> like that was why. So I always had this kind of wanting to know more. And I think that we all innately have that in us, yeah. right? I think it's just whether we tune ourselves into it and, and recognise it um, in ourselves. But I think that, you know, there's no difference between me and someone who hasn't made it or, or climbed it out yet. I think what the difference is the belief that there can be something different because I think everyone has the full capacity. I think, yes, definitely people, we've all got levels of trauma that impact the brain in different yeah. ways, and, and we all have our own challenges. But I think that as humans, we all have the potential for change, because... It's,
0: yeah. it's learning to recognise ourselves and know who how we work, I think, because, like, let's have it right, we, we see the red flags, don't we? And it doesn't, Not even in relationships, I see red flags. Like, if I know if I walk down this road at a certain time, a it's a red flag for me or early on. Yeah that's what happens. We learn about the red flags and and, you know we we have we make better choices as before. We don't recognize any of that we don't understand that we're gonna just repeat what we've always done. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely absolutely
1: and And, um I think for me like we said about going round um the same cycles until you learn I think that um for me, I'm definitely not talking about other people. But for me, I'm—I am a little bit of—I don't want to say a slow learner, but I like I, there was a quote going around not too long ago, and it was like, "Oh, I—I I made the mistake more than like three or four times just to check that I was making a mistake." A, it, yeah, I get it. Okay, and um, and I do make a joke that I'm a bit of a slow learner, but I'm okay. It's okay that I take a while to learn. Um, and I definitely have made some mistakes again but i think the difference is and one of the biggest key points and turning points for me is understanding that you have to learn to fiercely love yourself like and that's that's what all of my coaching is about is is the relationship with yourself literally determines the relationship that you have with everything else in your life Mm -hmm. like because it's all that internal isn't it it's, it's an inside job, until, as I say. Yeah, yeah that's until you get right with that, then it's going to come out sideways. Then it's going to um, manifest itself in different ways. Then it's going to impact on the relationships that you pick or how you show up in the world or, you know, yeah. so, um, yeah, that's a
0: massive key. So you talked about, so you're, you're, now, you're, you're a life coach, you're a program officer, so... Obviously this is something that you've kind of come into after, you know, you've put, you tried a few different things. What, what, what happened? So what was so, what yeah, that when, you to
1: that? When I, um, first came down there, obviously I was pregnant and, um, and I was going to be a mum, and it was terrifying. I was on my own. I didn't have family down here, or, although I had connection to my family. I didn't have anyone down here. Um, But there was that driver of, well, it's just me for this child. And I've got to show I don't want, I think I was very motivated. In the earlier years, I was motivated by fear. And I was fearful of not being a good mum. I was fearful of ever going back. I was fearful of not being able to provide. I was fearful. And in the early days, that fear drove me, like, and, and it was a good driving force for a while. I think if you allow it to be your constant driving force, it creates a lot of damage to your body. So that's a whole nother story. Okay. But um, it, it definitely motivated me. And, and I, I had a desire to be more, to do more. Um, so then when he was born, I, start, I did study counselling um, and started doing voluntary work and then I worked um, in treatment centers, and then I worked with mental health, and I did more studying. Um, So I've done about eight years worth of study in total, Uh and then I I trained as a hairdresser. In between this had three very toxic relationships and lost everything and experienced more trauma. Like I lost, uh, in one fell swoop I lost my partner, because he relapsed back into addiction, found out I was pregnant, had just been made redundant, and then lost my home all <laughs> within the space, space of about three months. So um, I've experienced definitely a lot of loss, but I've always did,
0: had this. Go on. So when all did that happen? What was different this time? Why? What, how did you work through How it did I time?
1: navigate it? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's I didn't ever go back. To use him, but my mental health suffered massively, okay. um, and I've definitely had to to go on and off antidepressants over the years. Okay. But I've also gone to so many forms of therapy. I've always done the personal development. I've always kept seeking a faith and a connection to that, and I've always, always, always surrounded myself. You know, that's that saying mm. like across the board: stick with the winners. Yeah and I was very good at that. I, I, I made sure that I looked for people that I respected that were doing it well, that were um, doing life well, that were different to how I'd ever done it. Mm. And I, and I surrounded myself with people like that. And I, I was quite good at that. So I think it was a combination of, like, it, it was really painful. And some of my behaviors at times were quite dysfunctional. Like, They were, my emotional responses, I didn't have great emotional regulation. And so I even self-harmed in it, like, in those years. I I cut my arm right open because I just, I still struggled to deal with that intense emotion without, like, trying to release it in some some way. way. Yeah, Absolutely. But all that did, every single time I experienced pain, what I did is use it to fuel, okay, how do I never have to go through that again? How, how do I heal so that, and I, and I think I still have a bit of that in me. Like as, as humans, we don't wanna feel pain. We don't wanna feel discomfort. Um, and I don't wanna create, keep repeating the same mistakes. So I think having, having a hunger and a willingness to be teachable, to remain open, to look for ways that you can heal, to look for ways that you can grow. Um, it's something that I've definitely always had in me. And that's not to say that oh, I just pick myself back up and, and that's it. I, I just move on. It That takes time, right? And there's been a lot of healing and grieving and crying and... Fighting against my circumstances, and I'm really struggling to accept my reality. And I think that's another key. When you can get to a place where you can accept your reality, it's a lot less painful than trying to make your life fit this ideal that you have mm. in your head about what you think life should look like and how you think life should turn out. Um, I definitely ran by that story. Like, for me, I felt like I should. Get married, have a family within that loving marriage, be loved absolutely deeply because I'd romanticized what love was all about, mm. and and that would make me happy and that would make me whole. And if I just got a great career and all of that, then and it was a completely constructed, romanticized view in my head. We were sold a lie,
0: weren't we? When we were, we
1: were sold, sold a lie. Sold, sold uh,
0: a lie the disney the disney um right. you know, the film, the right.
1: disney disney 100 100% and, and i'd say that at least maybe about 70% of my suffering has come from my thinking about the situation rather than the situation itself it's mm. not to say that oh my god yeah there's horrible it wasn't nice stuff that was happening to me i've been cheated on in every relationship mm. that that i've been in it, It's not nice stuff. I have experienced some real trauma and it's not to negate that, but the stories that I attached to those events and what I felt it or what I told myself it meant about me and my resisting what was is where a huge amount of my suffering came from. And I think when when you learn that as well, that is where you flip the script.
0: There's a, there's a really good um, quote, I don't know if right, what I want to quote it right, by Caroline Miss about, you know, the soul knows how to heal itself. The challenge is to silence the mind.
1: Yeah,
0: for sure. You know, absolutely, you know what I'm saying? For sure, for sure. Um, and that absolutely. is the challenge, man, because our thinking it's an illusion, and it can yeah. torture us. Oh my gosh.
1: Literally, if you, if you spent time, uh, oh. this is something that I say to my clients all the time, if you if you spent time with a person that spoke to you the way you allow your mind to speak to you, like they'd be gone. (laughs) They'd, They'd be gone. Or it'd be definitely, you'd be able to recognize it was one hell of a toxic relationship. And it's, we, I don't think we're taught enough that we are not our thoughts. I remember, I remember one day I was driving down, Wrote um this is years back and I remember seeing someone um who didn't look very well and I remember a thought coming into my mind that it was a wicked thought it was a wicked Mm. thought because in like half of the thoughts that go Mm. through my mind I think if anyone heard them I'd probably be sectioned (laughs) right but I believe that that thought was me I believe that I fought that for. Therefore, that wicked thought that I just thought about that person meant that I was still really wicked. Like, what sort of... And I went home and I sobbed like a baby for hours. I felt such deep shame, such deep guilt. All because I didn't know the truth of the fact that thoughts come. Like, you have no power over what thoughts mm. come in. It's just what thoughts you choose to agree with and what thoughts you choose to run with now in my mind if I'd gone oh yeah definitely and I'd carried on feeding that thought and I wholeheartedly agree with that thought okay then maybe I need to be really looking at myself but the fact is I can't control what comes in and I think when I learned that it was so freeing that we don't need to believe thoughts that come
0: in, we don't need to attack. It's them. a relief. It's like I, I it's a re- revelation that you. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I've had this, exactly what you said. You know, I, I, used to, I used to think to myself, when I first kind of got got into some form of like kind of transformation and changing my story my life. Early days, my head used to be really loud, and like you said, you know, i would be like thinking, boy, like I had this gangster going in my head, like and, and just assassinating people, and I, and then the other part of me be going. You should be doing that. You're a good person now. You're, and then this battle, this inner battle, would be like, yeah. And I didn't understand. And then somebody, an older person and a wiser person, had been around, said to me, "Well, listen, mate. You're not your thoughts. We are our actions. And these thoughts, like you said, are not you. Part. Of, you know. You can. You know. There's a way. Accept them. Laugh at them. Because that's what I do. It's like I yeah. kind of become the observer. Yeah. And I think, like, look. Here yeah. he comes again. Like. <laughs> And I even give it a voice, like my, yeah. my thoughts have got a, like a roadman voice, like, and I that's the voice, and I th- I know that is a, a, that's the ego negative, yeah. that's the one that wants to kind of harm me. Where the part of me is the kind, the caring, and you know, yeah, that doesn't want it wants good for me, you know. Yeah, and the, and,
1: and is that except in your? It's the shadow side, isn't yeah. it? Those ne- yeah. negative, those negative thoughts mm. are the shadow side of ourselves that that every human being has exactly. right exactly. every human being has and I think that I learned that the more I understood about people is the more people are just afraid to say what goes on mm. internally but I'm
0: quite
1: mm. I'm, I'm quite honest yeah. about because I don't want other people to feel shame about yeah. that stuff that goes through you we've all got a, like a darker side of thoughts but it doesn't mean it is
0: us it's, Really, really cringeworthy saying, but I've got it's like I've heard it so many times, and sometimes I go, but it's really true. Whatever what like sharing is definitely caring, yeah. You know, 100. Identification, 100. the Me Too movement, all of that stuff, yeah. When one person opens their mouth and says, Look, you know what, this is what's happening to me, my thoughts, this is what I suffer with, or this is what goes on, this is the battle. It gives the permission for other people to go people bang, to, bang. And, then before and the mind, relief that they Yeah, everyone's got and everyone's shit. And, and, and it's open, it's out of the darkness, it's into the light. Yeah. 100%. And that saying simple is stuff, another, yeah, another cringy. cringe one. It's like really like, oh, God. Like, like, <laughs> stop it, you get me? But, <laughs> but yeah. That
1: one, Secrets Keep You Secrets. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> It's a cringe one. Yeah, yeah, a cringe one. There is such deep truth in it because exactly. when you keep things in the dark, they're gonna you're gonna feed it. Gonna you're fester, gonna, feed you're, it, gonna, it. you're gonna feed it, it's gonna fester. Yeah. And it's it's like a cancer that spreads and a toxicness that spreads in you. Whereas the moment you expose something to the light of someone else's ear to like owning it in yourself and and accepting that it's it doesn't mean it, it no. makes who you are. It the, the freedom like, comes from
0: that. Yeah, definitely. It's like having that um, courageous conversation Yeah. of opening up with someone and saying, yeah. "Look, you know, once you've cut, it's just that you know that that release of like, it's okay."
1: Yeah.
0: Because a lot of the time, it's like, "Oh shit, people are gonna ju- oh fucking you know, it's, it, all of that yeah. stuff."
1: And I think the more that you go on the journey of, of healing and the more that you learn to love yourself, the less you fear other people's judgments, the less you fear what other people think of you,
0: and and that feeds into more healing, right? Exactly. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I was thinking about something the other day, yeah, like regarding, like you know, like when people lose people and death and stuff like that, and, and when you ask someone, like you know, how does it, Feel like you know losing someone and and how do you heal from it and and they've all a lot of them will say you know what happens is we don't never heal from it we don't never feel not feel that pain we just manage it much better so and that's exactly with the trauma i think exactly saying you know we do there's a form of healing but what it is we learn we have these tools we pick up this stuff and we learn to manage it and we don't let it govern us and we don't let it kind of try and leak out in our lives and we don't try and repeat or add anything else to it
1: and I do think that there is and and I think in the kind of wellness kind of industry Mm. and even coaching industry and all of that there is sometimes I, I think that a dream that's a bit missold that you can get to this place and this state that is unobtainable and or you may obtain it for a hot moment but you can't maintain balance all the time because something along else will come along in your life that will knock you off balance a bit that will trigger some of your stuff that will and we're trying to seek this perfection Mm. right and it doesn't exist it literally doesn't exist we're trying to get to a point where we don't feel any pain anymore well (laughs) sorry to burst the bubble to people but You're not ever going to, because life is about the richness of everything. It's about joy and pain and laughter and tears and love and anger. And it's the whole mixing pot. And to try and do life without, um, or trying to avoid constantly those, what we perceive as negative emotions, I think is so damaging. Because the moment you change The belief that it's
0: not negative and it's just an experience. Exactly. And, like, we put so much kind of this thing to try and change. When when we're feeling, like, sadness or joy or or not so so much sadness and pain, and we we try everything we can to try and change that. Yeah. And what we really need to do is sit with it and let it go, let it pass through us. Because it'll pass through us, just like joy does. When we're feeling happy and, you know, we're trying to hang on to it and stuff like that. It's the same thing with, with with you know, and I think that's when you have got to be. Your tr- they talk about being true, authentic, and, and learning to kind of just be with with whatever's going on whatever's going and accepting on. it and, and letting yeah. it kind of like, yeah, Yeah let it pass. Because
1: man. everything is transient. Nothing in life. It's easy, it's easy said though. We could talk about <laughs> it like
0: yeah, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> but when you're in it. <laughs> Oh, yeah when you're in it it's, it's like hard. geez, it's yeah. difficult it's difficult yeah. man
1: yeah difficult. i do think that over time the more you give yourself the experience of not trying to run from your emotions or trying to fix it with anything then over time working.
0: they stop working
1: they stop working yeah. anyway so there's no yeah. running that there's no running that you can do at some yeah. point you are going to have just to face yourself stop <laughs>
0: and just go bang yeah and, yeah anyway.
1: but the more that you do that yeah the easier it becomes mm. so then when pain does come again you can navigate yeah. that so much easier and so much quicker because you just allow it to flow through you you mm. accept what is and so you can get back to a place of balance quicker
0: definitely and when you think about it, there's a reason why we feel hurt and we feel pain and we feel sadness and we feel there's got to be there's a reason for it so who are we to try and change that? Is a is a physical, spiritual reason why we feel that stuff. Absolutely. And we need to accept that that's what it is, and we, we are going to feel that at times, and we've got to try and, as you would say, your words, navigate through it. Yes. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. we're trying to cause less harm to others and ourselves <laughs> by doing it.
1: And that's that's yeah. not an e- e- easy no.
0: task. <laughs> Definitely not. So Natalie, talking a little bit about your program you talked about you work with young people and you know you're trying to plant the seed so it's a pro is a program officer you said as well and you've yeah. a life coaching thing as well so yeah. talk us a little bit about what you do then what how does what's natalie's day-to-day i don't know life these days
1: well i'm still a fully single parent
0: so okay. like i've raised
1: both of mine by myself so um being a parent takes up a lot of the time but i
0: absolutely I work two
1: days as a program officer two full days doing that and then I do three days on building my business and working with clients and being a parent and running home. Um, and sometimes it's full on. I, I definitely have to, because I've got in me this desire to achieve and succeed. I, I have to be very mindful of that and try and rein it back in because I can be quite a taskmaster on myself um, because, and I have to keep, reminding myself what do you think you're gonna feel when you get this success so that's a mm. really good question to ask yourself mm. like if you're really hungry for something but it's coming at the expense of other things and at the expense of your balance what is it that you think you're gonna feel when you get there so i have to constantly remind myself of that but i try and get as much balance as i can between juggling building my business so- work and kids
0: Okay. So what does Natalie do for her well-being these days? What is it that you do to kind of keep yourself spiritually top-top or just keeping Natalie well? So my, to... f-
1: my friendships is key
0: like So community, I, yeah. Community,
1: community. nature okay. is a massive thing for me. Moving my body whether that's yoga, I love doing dance, so I do street dance a little bit or I do wow, dance workouts. Nice. Um I meditate and pray most days, um, I read self development books or sometimes I allow myself just to Netflix, watch a Netflix and binge Nothing out, well Netflix, I, I, love, starts, yeah, it's I love just, a good binge, Yeah. so I, I try and balance it, I make sure that I go away, obviously with COVID I haven't been able to, but I go away once a year without my kids. I've been told that's selfish by some people, but I know that that makes me, me giving me time to regather, to reconnect um, to myself makes me a better Mm mum. So I I, I think that taking space away from everything to ground yourself is so important. So I absolutely do that. But I try every single day without fail, I will give myself half an hour to an hour of doing something that allows me to connect to me, that gives me time out of doing and allows me to be. Because the more that I do that, the more likely I'm gonna be a bit more of a balanced individual as the day goes on yeah. unless i'm hormonal <laughs> and then sometimes that goes out the window yeah
0: well listen i, I can't relate to that part <laughs> of it but i can relate to the to being the um the other side of it at times suppose, yeah at yeah i sure yeah. um so listen natalie's been absolutely amazing man listening to you you know you're inspirational you know a mom single parent starting a business you know helping others your story is absolutely amazing a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. Um if there if there's anything you could say to the to the young Natalie, that 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 14-year-old Natalie or a uh, 14-year-old Natalie that might be listening right now, is it what would you say to her? Uh I
1: think I would probably say that that you're to a younger me to say that your past doesn't need to determine your future, (coughs) that um, you can flip the script at any point. But I think I would also say, make learning to love you a fierce priority above anything else. And I don't mean an egotistical love because doing the work like getting some coaching or counseling or therapy or whatever works for you is self-love, right? Doing self-development is self-love. Doing those things that help to calm your nervous system is self-love. So that when I say self-love, I mean a lot of that. Surround yourself with people who nurture you. Um, but yeah, make, make loving you a, an absolute priority before anything else. Stop, don't look for outside validation. Um, to heal something that can only be done internally.
0: Brilliant, awesome. And also, um, who is would you say is your role model? Who would you put up as your dead or alive, or somebody that you that you really inspire to be like, or has given you has given you inspiration? inspiration?
1: Uh, there's not any one person. Like I, I tend not to put people on pedal pedestals as much but there are people that I absolutely admire and love what they've brought to the world but there are so many like Winfrey's and Mayor Angelos mm. of the world uh, those two are very big Powerful. for me um and then yeah I mean there's too many to count too many to count I, I but I Go to different people for different things. Different pre- people bring uh, Mel, there's a mm. woman, Mel Robbins, and she's quite practical in her stuff and not very spiritual. And then I'll go to something else. But I think the more you open your eyes and look around mm. and focus in the right area, there's so many people that can inspire you. It, even people like you, I find like people that are trying to create. Yeah. But you look at yeah. what you're trying to create. For no, me, like that's that insp- yeah. and it inspires yeah. me when I see someone. Doing yeah. something and creating something, it inspires me to carry on.
0: That's
1: it. So yeah, yeah for me, yeah. I think you can find inspiration
0: everywhere. Definitely. We just got to open and writing we sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, and be open. Absolutely. Listen, so Natalie, how can people get hold of you through your website? Have you got Instagram? Can you just yeah, so, I will put it in a details book? Just yeah, let us know. Man. Yeah,
1: so um on Instagram, I am under I am Natalie Russell, my Facebook page uh, is Natalie Russell and my website is um, www.natalierussell.uk and I've got a free download on there so you can click the link in my bio in my IG or you can go straight to my website and it's 10 top tips to managing overwhelming emotions because (laughs) trust me I've had to find many ways to learn how to, (laughs) to manage mine so it's a free download so people can get that as well
0: awesome thank you so if you're listening viewers it's there but what i'll do i will put all the links underneath the podcast and yeah Amazing. don't remember and please remember to subscribe and hit the like button and um, once again natalie thank you so much man it's been um absolutely inspiring listening to your story man and well done man uh, you're and welcome as they say, keep so keeping on man absolutely sure much so much for having me. thank you man absolutely. Oh. <laughs> yo what's happening people i want to welcome you to flip the script podcast show my name is so and i am the host so on this show you'll get the opportunity to listen to some inspiring people talking about real honest heartfelt no holds barred transformation stories we get to hear from ex-drug users reformed criminals all sharing their personal stories and how they manage not only to turn their lives around but now i helping others to do the same We also get to hear from courageous men and women sharing their experience of surviving high-level trauma and what they are doing or done to start that much-needed healing process. They say that life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward. On this show, we get to understand what that actually means. Everyone's got a story, but not everyone gets to share theirs. So remember, hit the subscribe button, press like so we can continue to spread the message that change is possible even in the darkest of places.